Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, here's this week's message. And so just a quick recap on our series. Uh, what we've been talking about is the first week we talked about anxiety and Pastor Ross told a cr- pretty incredible story kind of talking about anxiety and what that looks like in our culture. And then last week we talked all about depression and we gave statistics and research and talked about some of the realities of depression and uh, what that means right now. And then next week, everyone say next week. Next week, we're actually talking with a mental health expert. We're going to be talking with someone who kind of leads a group of counselors on the forefront of all all these issues. We're going to talk about kind of how medicine is involved and health and how it all comes together. It's going to be a Sunday, unlike anything we've ever done at One Chapel. And so next week, we're going to have a mental health expert that Pastor Ross is going to ask questions to, and uh, he's going to give us some answers. But today, we're talking about stress. Today, we're talking about stress. And I have a question for you. Who here has ever been on I-35? Raise your hand if you've ever been on I-35. Yeah, when I think stress, the first thing that comes to mind is a picture of I-35. I think of traffic. I came here uh, four and a half years ago, and as I got here, I was like, oh, they're doing construction on I-35. That's great. They're going to fix it, and it's going to be so much better. I didn't know. The construction never, ever ends. They don't fix things. They just add more construction on top of the construction that they're already doing. There's this one orange cone, and I've been following it for five years almost, and I'm like, they're going to move that, and they're going to move that one orange cone, and they just put more orange cones around it and lights and all that sort of stuff, and I was like, I-35 is never-ending construction. It just grows and grows and grows and grows, and it adds a lot of stress to my life. Who's ever been stressed on 35? Stressed? Yeah. So traffic is there. Or maybe, maybe you've been stuck in traffic, and have you ever had this happen where you're stuck in traffic, or you're on a long road trip, and then you look here, and the gas tank is low, and you're like, oh, and it just, uh, like, uh, what was already a stressful situation kind of ratchets up, and you're like, where's the next gas station? I don't even know where to go. I don't know what that is to do, and so that adds a lot of things, and a lot of the reason we're stressed out is because we have hard jobs, and we have difficult bosses. We have bosses like this. And our boss thinks, our boss thinks, I'm the best boss in the world. I'm amazing. And you're like, no, you're not. (laughs) And so we think about these things, and difficult bosses can make difficult work. Has anyone here ever had a difficult boss that you're like, ah, you're, you're stretching me. And so bosses can make things very, very difficult. And then sometimes it can be there and we can or not have work at all or or we're underpaid and then we can have unpaid bills. And when I think of stress, I think of unpaid bills or just bills where collection notices start coming. If you've ever got a collection notice, it's a very stressful feeling. It's a very like overwhelming feeling and especially if you've had bill on top of bill on top of bill pile upon each other and you're like, I don't even know who to pay. I don't even know how to attack this. I don't know what to do. It's just a pile of things. It's phone calls and it feels so stressful to face something like that. Or maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a marriage or a dating relationship and you just feel like you're growing apart and you feel like, ah, there's distance between us. We used to be close, but now it's distant. And just when I see them, I feel stress in my life. Or maybe if you're a parent, you've had a 
child, and uh, that child was, uh, had a meltdown right in the middle of somewhere. You had to be somewhere. You had to go somewhere, and there's a meltdown. Mine happen all the time at, like, Target. Uh, there's just meltdowns in the middle of Target, and one of my kids is just crying. Like, they want a toy or a granola bar, and Emma Jane's just on the floor crying, and I'm, like, trying to help her out, and she's just thrashing around the floor, and then someone walks by, hey, you're the One Chapel coffee mug guy, and I'm like, not now. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> And so it's like these stressful situations just go and they pile and pile and pile on top of herself. And it's a big issue in our culture and it's a big issue that you all are interested in. The reason that I know is we do an Easter survey every year and every year for four years, one of the top th- three things that you're like, we need a sermon series on this is stress. It's an overwhelming every single time. It's a topic that it's like we want to hear about. And we're not alone because stress is something that's pervasive in our culture. According to the Stress Institute, and I just said the Stress Institute, which I didn't know existed, there's actually an institute that just like does science and research all about stress. So according to the Stress Institute, here's a couple of stats. They say 44% of Americans say that they are more stressed today than they were five years ago. Let that stat sink in. So we're on a stair step of getting more and more stressed. So nearly half of us are saying, my life is just getting more stressful. Five years later, my life is getting more stressful. Five years later, my life is getting more stressful. One in five are in extreme stress. So one out of five people are in extreme stress. What does that look like? It looks like not being able to sleep. It looks like heart palpitations, depression, anxiety. One in five are feeling that. That means one out of five in this room are probably feeling that. That means it's an epidemic that's happening to us. And what's the byproduct of all this stress? What does it actually do to us? Well, this is also according to the Stress Institute. They say this, listen to this stat. 60% of all illnesses and diseases have their roots in our stress level. Our stress is killing us. Our stress is making us sick. And I gave a few examples, but there's a lot more. What are the stresses coming from? They're coming from relationships. They're coming from conflicts, even conflicts on social media. They're coming from our marriages. They're coming from our singleness. I'm not married. Will I ever be married? They're coming from deadlines. Uh, Deadlines stress me out. Some of you are thinking about deadlines right now. It's Sunday and your brain's already drifting to Monday. I got to do this. I got to make this happen. It's stressing you out. Legal problems. Divorce. A new job. Am I going to fit in? Can I do this job? An old job. I hate my job. I don't want to do this job anymore. It's stressing me out. Illnesses. I am sick or I've just found out that I've gotten sick. Parenting, parenting of young kids having the meltdowns that I showed about, or parenting of older kids who are off to college and off to different things, and you're like, I don't know how to do this. Their stress now becomes your stress. Expectations of others. So either you're expecting things on other people and they let you down, or other people are expecting something on you and you let them down. And all these things stack on top of us to have stress in our lives. And I think... uh, a lot of us, what we're looking for is we're looking for ways to manage our stress. You're like, okay, Rob, I want the five hacks. I want the three tips and three tools to help manage the stress that I have. But the thing is, we need more than stress. For a lot of us, we need life change. The stress is coming from the struggle, the pressure to make everything fit. But the reality is, we think this is all doable. We're like, okay, I can do this, I can do this. But we rarely ask, is this sustainable? So we think, I can do this right now, But the question is, can I do this for the next year? Can I do this for the next five years, for the next 10 years? Can I sustain this pace? 
And when you say yes to something, that's the question that you should ask. Not can I do this, but can I sustain this? And that's a big perspective change that we should have. The question is, we're all, we're all so busy. When I ask people, like, hey, how are you doing? How, what's going on? I get two common responses. One is fine. People are like, oh, I'm fine. Two is, if they're being a little bit more honest, what I hear so often is, hey, Rob, how are you doing? And you guess what they say? They say, I'm, I'm busy. Rob, I'm busy. There's a lot of stuff going on. I've probably said that a lot. 2019 has been one of the busiest years of my life. And so why are we so busy? Well, we have too many choices. Life was a lot simpler. I'm going to be old man standing. I have a teenage daughter now, so I have a new level of authority. So uh, I remember back in my day, there were only three channels. There were like three channels. You would like click the knob, and like that was it. There were three simple channels when I was a little kid. We weren't even allowed to watch those channels. I just watched PBS with like Sesame Street and Mr. Rogers. But there were three channels, and that's kind of what there are. And now there are, you know, thousands of channels. We have uh, streaming platforms with curated things. We can choose everything for ourselves. And we think choice means happiness, but a lot of times choice equals stress. And so there's something incredible about that. I, we were talking at our Monday night group a couple of weeks ago. We do a group for young adults, uh, young professionals, every Monday night, 7 o'clock. And we were talking about this series in our group, and one person at my table had a really interesting observation. They're like, you know, a lot of our generation has FOMO. We have fear of missing out, and that kind of leaks into everything. So when we're watching a Netflix show, we think, oh, can I be watching a better show? And then when we're talking with one friend, what we're thinking of is like, oh, can I be talking with a better friend? Is there someone more interesting going on? And have you ever had that conversation where you're talking with someone, but you can feel they're not really there? They're thinking like, who's more interesting that I could be talking to? We're having these conversations like this all the time, and it's making us feel stressed, and it's making us feel isolated. Don't do that. Don't be that person. When you're in a conversation with someone, be present, look at them, put your phone away. Thing number two that makes us busy is Pinterest and YouTube. Pinterest and YouTube. Pinterest, it's, it's a curse. It's a curse upon our society. Pinterest, I tell you. Uh, it, you look at all these things, and you're like, oh, that looks beautiful. I can do that. And whenever I try to do it, I try to make a craft very rarely, my wife will tell you. Like, she shows me a Pinterest image, like, oh, just kind of make that craft for this birthday party. And I was like, sure. And it's like Cookie Monster, but it just looks like a blue volcano with eyeballs on it and it like doesn't turn out well at all like we have all these things and it looks like oh easy or like the plumbing breaks and we watch a little youtube video we're like i can fix the plumbing that looks very easy on the video and then we try to do it and like our sink's broken and water's everywhere and things are going very very wrong we think diy is do it yourself but it actually spells die diy spells die (laughs) don't do it (laughs) stop diying We have this belief. We believe that we can do it all. Most of us are spending 117% of our income. We're spending way over, and it's not sustainable. I do a lot of entrepreneuring. I run in entrepreneur circles, and there's one word that's really common there, and that word is hustle. Everyone says, oh, you got to hustle. You got to go make it happen. Entrepreneurs talk about hustle, and they even talk about side hustle. You got to have hustle on top of your hustle. That's the way to go. That's the way that you do it. It's like, caca, wait, what are we doing? Listen, there's no simple hacks, there's no simple structures, there's foundational principles that you need to have. And so I'm going to talk about two different lists today. One is a list that you can apply to structure your life away from stress. There's actually a way that you can build your life where you can build stress out of your life. And then two is I'm going to give you a list that will deal with every stressful situation you will ever face. 
every single one, this is a list of ways to handle every stressful situation you will ever face. So the first list is about, um, what do my notes say? My first list is about uh, structuring your life away from stress. And so idea number one, everyone say idea one. Idea one, it is better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. So a lot of times we say more is better, but it's not necessarily true. But, but that's the common wisdom. We say more is better. One dollar is good. Two dollars is better. We say one Shipley's donut is good. Two donuts is? Yeah. We say, you know, one car is good. Two cars is? We say one kid is good. Two kids are? Oh, well, <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I thought I'd trick you. <laughs> Parents are like, don't do it. <laughs> Run. <laughs> yeah, you know, th- that wisdom, that wisdom kind of breaks down of like more is better, but we're kind of taught that more is better. And we think, we think like, okay, uh, we don't have enough time, but the truth is we try to kind of fit all these things in our time few interesting stats, uh, you will eat out 14,411 times in your life. You will spend 13 years and four months watching TV. Woo. You will spend five years waiting in line. Five years waiting in line. If you live in Austin and go to HEB, that's more like seven and a half years in line. <laughs> you will spend one year looking for things you've lost. If you have kids looking for shoes, that's like most of my job. You will go to 35 weddings in your life, and you will drive 627,000 miles in your life. We try to cram all these things in in our life. We try to add more and more and more. But the truth is, to find less stress, you must find margin. Everyone say margin you got to find margin. If you're stacking stuff up and it doesn't have margin, if you're running late all the time, if you're trying to go from one thing to the next and there's no margin, there's no space to breathe, you will get into trouble. Idea number two is this. It is better to live by design than to live by default. It's better to live by design than live by default. Um, Actually, I want to read one other verse that goes into idea number one, which is Ecclesiastes 4.6, which says this. Better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil and chasing after the wind. Very wise words. And then Psalm 139, 16 says this, all the days are ordained for me, were written in your book before one of them came to be. You see, God sees the full picture. And he says, you can take time, think things through, plan things through. Take time and plan, it's so important. If you just rush into stuff without planning, if you think like, oh, I can figure out on the fly, and I'm the worst at this, I've done this today even. And so if you think like, oh, I can figure out on the fly, you get yourself into trouble. Um, one story that I think comes to mind that's pretty iconic for me is um, of us just kind of rushing things and trying to figure out on the fly is uh, one of the ways that I really got to know Pastor Ross and Pastor Brent is I was the creative director at a church called New Life Church in Colorado Springs. Uh, that's where Pastor Ross is from. That's kind of how I got connected to One Chapel. And so we used to put on these big, big Christmas shows called Wonderland. And we'd actually build fountains. We'd have like dancing fountains on stage. 
we actually had this huge stage and we'd cover it all with kind of fake synthetic ice and have ice skating on stage. We'd charge tickets to this thing. It was a whole big deal. And I realized this year, like one year, I was like, hey, this is like fun for families. So we should do like a fun number that kids would really like. And so I was like, what if we did like a Disney number? And uh, Ross is like, what are you thinking? I was like, what if we did like Under the Sea and had like Brent in like a crab costume singing like Under the Sea and he's like the crab lobster guy singing it and it'd be so fun and parents will like hug their kids and just like, it'd be a great moment. So Ross is like, that's a great idea. And so we're like, hey Brent, you need to sing this song. Brent is our pastor at One Chapel Kyle. And so uh, Brent was like, "Uh, what? And so he's like, okay, I don't know how that's Christmas, but he's a good sport, so he did it anyway. So we did like a big rehearsal and it just didn't go well, our final dress rehearsal. And we had a show the next night. We had 5,000 people coming who paid $25 a piece to come to see this show. And then we're just like, ah, this number isn't working. And so Ross had an idea. He's like, hey, we're gonna, Brent, we'll just put you on a track. And that way the orchestra can kind of time along to the track. And that way everyone's, it's just kind of synced in everything else. And Brent was like, yeah, but if something goes wrong, I can't like fix it in real time. I'm just going to be trapped in there on track. And Ross is like, nothing's going to go wrong. <laughs> We're going to be just fine. <laughs> so then it's the opening night. I'll never forget this night. It's opening night. Brent is in, I mean, this thing looks amazing. It looks like something from Disney. He's in like the big lobster suit, just kind of like walking all around. The music starts, but the orchestra, we just never got a real run through with it. And so the orchestra starts playing. They hit go on the track. The orchestra's timing went off. And have you ever been to like a really bad elementary school concert that just, it's kind of all out of tune and like off, and you're like, this isn't even music. It's just like an assault on my ears. That's what that orchestra sounded like. It was so off and they were trying to catch up to Brent and he was trying to catch up to them, but the track was just playing. And so it was all these people and Brent's just in his suit like under the sea and he's just like smiling in his suit like on a track and he can't fix it. He's just trapped in lobster hell like up there just <laughs> like uh, trying to get through it. And so he's just up there and he's like there. And so like I was there and like I'm just sitting next to John Egan and we both, I had a headset mic on just like this. I was one of the MCs and so I had to go out right after him. So I'm standing there right this and I was like, oh man, he's drowning out there. Oh, this is going so bad. This, this may be the worst musical number I've ever seen and John's like, I know. Here's what I didn't know. <laughs> he had an in-ear monitor in his ear and everything that I was saying was going into his in-ear monitor. <laughs> so he's up there. <laughs> the absolute lobster like under the sea, under the and all he hears is my voice in his head like you're bombing out there. <laughs> you're dying. <laughs> They're about to start throwing tomatoes. <laughs> I had no idea that he could hear me and so I was just like, "Oh, it is stinking up the joint." <laughs> And so then he goes and he gets off stage and what do I do? I'm a Christian, so I, I lied to him and I was just like, <laughs> I, was like I was like, Brent, that was awesome, you did great. And he just looked at me and he had his lobster claws and he threw them off and he's like, I'm never talking to you again. And he just like stormed off. <laughs> and he's like this mad crab, but he looks so happy. <laughs> I just wanted to give him a hug. He was not in the hugging mood. <laughs> and so I think, we, I think we do this sometimes. We're like, ah, I can get through this. I can make this plan. It'll be okay. It'll come together. But the reality is when we rush it, when we don't plan it, when we don't take time, we can rush things through and it gets very, very stressful. We have to realize the bigger picture. Our days are ordained by God. We are de designated for a purpose for our life. 
You and I are wired up for certain things. And if we don't pay attention to who we are and how we're created, it kind of goes against the way of God. Many Christians often don't work out what their purpose is from God, and they end up wasting the energy they have. And here's the big idea. If you, one thing today, remember this. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. If you don't prioritize your life, someone else will. You have to take ownership of this is who I am, this is what I'm going to be, this is what God's called me to do. We do all this stuff. We make all these announcements in one chapel all the time for catalysts, for groups, for ways for you to get together with different people and discover purpose. And the reason why we do that is because this idea is so important that you were created for a purpose. And there are people alongside you who can help you discover the way that you're wired in that purpose. Idea number three is this. It is better to get the right things done than to get more things done. It's better to get the right things done than to get more things done. It can be one person, uh, you can have one handful and be happier, like it talks about in Ecclesiastes. You want to live intentionally. You kind of want to go in one direction. This is the direction I'm going, and I'm going in that direction, and I'm not going to be pulled a bunch of different ways. Proverbs 17, 24 says it like this. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. So what do you do? You have to believe these principles and then you have to apply these principles to your life. You have to say like, okay, these are the strategies and I'm gonna start applying them to change the way that I think about these things. And what we need to do, what we're ultimately called to do is we're called to run a better race. We're called to run a sustainable race. So Hebrews 12.1 says this, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run for perseverance the race marked out for us. Running a better race means not living a life where you are overtaken and overwhelmed by stress. It's killing us. Don't let it kill you. We did a message series a while ago uh, about work, and we did five by seven, and uh, different people told their stories about work. And it's amazing how much every single story had to do with stress and how stress was affecting our life. So like I said earlier, stress is coming for you. You cannot get away with it. You can't be done with it, but you have to know how to respond to it. So I'm going to give you three. Everyone say three. I'm going to give you three strategies to attack stress and to deal with stress. Strategy number one is this. Learn when to stop caring. Learn when to stop caring. It's kind of counterintuitive to most sermons you hear, which is like, you got to care about this, care more about this, do more of this. And I'm actually saying, learn when to stop caring. Is this idea biblical? Yeah, I think it is. Philippians 3 says this, but whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. A few big ideas. I consider everything a loss. I consider them rubbish. So there are certain things that's like, that doesn't matter. I don't need to care about that. That's what uh, Paul's telling us there. Matthew 6 and the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says it like this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, not about your body, what you'll pull on, put on. Therefore, and then it goes on in 634. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. So learn to not care. Learn to not care. You're stuck in traffic. Oh, well. 
find a great podcast. One Chapel has a great podcast that you can go and you can listen to messages. There's a one-year Bible. Pastor Ross talks about it every week. One-year Bible, are you reading it? You don't have to read it. You can actually just put it in your ears and listen to it. Traffic is so much better with the Bible than with just your own thoughts, I promise you. Like, you can make that time productive. You can make it okay. My boss is having a bad day. Let it be his bad day, not yours. Don't take on your boss's bad day. Pray for your boss. My spouse, my spouse is having a bad day. My best friend's having a bad day. My girlfriend, my boyfriend's having a bad day. Don't you let you have a bad day as well. Take on all that stress. Sometimes when people are really stressed out, we need someone else in our life who brings us life and joy. I get so stressed out all the time. My wife is incredible that she's like, you're gonna be okay. It's gonna be fine. You're strong, you're okay. And she speaks that to me. And I'm like, oh, I kind of take a deep breath. Find people in your life who breathe life into you and be that person for other people who when they're having a stressful day say, hey, it's gonna be all right. God has created you to handle this. I'm with you, God is with you. Speak that life into other people. You know, I've one of my, when I think about this, when, um, I think one of the big th- ideas is when you care about everything, you often care about the wrong things. You care about everything, you often care about the wrong things. And I have a friend who kind of comes to mind with this sort of thing, and he was, uh, he doesn't live here in Austin, you won't know him, anything else like that. Um, and so, but he was telling me a story of just like, I was like, so how's church going? Are you going to church? And he's like, ah, we stopped going to church. And I was like, oh, why'd you stop going to church? And he's like, well, honestly, it was just causing a lot of stress in our home going to church. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Why was that? And he's like, well, I really want to be there on time. It's a big, big deal to me um, to be on time. And every time we make different plans, we make different strategies, and then we go and we can't get there on time, and we're walking in late, and everyone's looking at us, and I feel awkward, and I just don't like how that feels. And I was like, well, how's your, how's your marriage doing? And he's like, it's not good. How's your job? It's stressing me out. How's my kids? They really need support. And I was like, but you're not going to church on time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And I realized like, ah, this is, we've got it backwards. This is a perfect example where you're caring about everything and so you're caring about the wrong things. Let me tell you something, One Chapel. It is okay to be late to church. It's okay. Some of you take full advantage of this idea every single week. (laughs) I'm totally aware of that. But I want to tell you this. If you were late to church, I have something to say to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Even if the announcement video is going on, you don't know where to sit. Thank you for deciding to say, I would so much rather you were late for church than it's, you know, 9.15 or 11.15 and like, ah, we missed it today. We'll just go next week. That is a lie. Don't do it. Come to church. Be late. It's okay. Not not all of you be late because that'll be bad. But hey, if that happens and it's me and Ross and Wesley and we're just singing up here, we'll sing, we'll start the service and you just come when you can and you join us and we'll have church together. I think sometimes we're like, we just, control matters so much to us. We want to kind of control everything. And there's actually uh, something called the Serenity Prayer and it was written in the 90th, 1930s by Pastor Reinhold and he, he prayed this prayer and it's this. O God and Heavenly Father, grant us the serenity of mind to accept that which cannot be changed, courage to change that which can be changed, and wisdom to know the one from the other through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. This prayer is often prayed and and spoken as a mantra at Alcohol Anonymous meetings. But I think this prayer is not for alcoholics. This prayer is for all, all of us because we are addicted to our own control. 
We're addicted to our control, to having the things that we like exactly the way that we like uh, them. And we think, oh, I have control over everything, but we have control over the little things, and the stress that's coming with that is killing us. It's making us sick. It's breaking apart our families. We're trying to hold on to everything so tightly and white-knuckle things through where we just got to let go and say, okay, I'm not going to care about everything because if I do, it's going to kill me. Open your hands up. Strategy number two is this. Find time to recover and restore. I realize that I just said stop caring, but I know there's some things that you have to care about. When you're laid off from a job, when you're diagnosed from sickness, when there's a bad financial problem, a lawsuit, a problem in marriage, a difficult work situation, real stress between family members, you have to care about those things, and that's going to bring stress. And for all of us, we have to find time to recover and restore. Romans says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And then Isaiah says this, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. See, Isaiah is saying this is not an issue of youth and old. This is an issue of putting your strength and putting your trust in God. That's what gives you the strength to kind of keep going. And so part of what that is, is it's taking a Sabbath. It's taking a day where it's like, okay, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to take a Sabbath day where I can rest and recover. And it's also finding those little things that kind of bring you life. For me, like I'm a movie geek. I love watching movies. And there's something about that that actually like lets me take a deep breath and recover. I, I love, actually, another thing that I love is stand-up paddleboarding. I have a stand-up paddleboard that I'll take up, uh, and I'll t- put it on Town Lake, and I'll kind of cruise around Town Lake. And every single time I do it, you know what I say to myself? You should do this more. Every single time. And I'm like, I, I just, I'm stressed out. I can't get out. And when I actually do it, it actually brings recovery to my soul. It brings life. What's that thing for you? What's that thing that when you do, you think to yourself, I should do this more? Write that down in your notes. The, I don't know that blank. That's not my blank, but I want you to take a moment and think about what's that thing that actually brings you life and recovery and write that down. You see, th- the goal is to make a hard decision today for a better tomorrow. And Jesus must be Lord in this. We must, and, and we have to like, we have to do this with our eyes focused on Jesus, and we also have to do this in community. We have to have other people cheering us on. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back to conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. And so there's something that's really powerful about that. Thomas, can you pull up point number three for me? Point number three. Point number three is this, Take action and care about what matters. So there are certain things, if there's something in your life that's repeatedly giving you stress and it's giving you stress over and over again, it could be a job, it could be your commute or whatever else, but it's something that's like been weighing you on a long time and it's like, I need to fix that, I need to deal with that, take action. Do something about it. Make the hard decisions for that will give today a better tomorrow. And so that's what we're called to, is to do these hard decisions and to take this sort of action. We're, we're called to do that, to actually make margin and make room for other people in our life to walk through things together. And I have, I have some uh, bad news for you. The bad news is this. Every single person in this room is flaky except you. 
You are the one not flaky person in this room. Everyone else is kind of a flake and whatever else, but you are the one not flaky person. So what that means is you need to be the one who is strong and constant, and you need to be the one who's inviting other people into your life. If you feel like you're isolated, if you feel like you're alone, if you feel like you're not walking along enough people, you need to be not the flaky one and say, okay, everyone's flaky but me. I'm going to actually take the initiative. I'm going to go to Catalyst. I'm going to go to a group. I'm going to invite someone out to lunch after church. I'm going to do those things, and I'm going to kind of invest in another community because I have to be the strong one who takes care of that for my own life. I have to build that community. I have to own that in my life. And the other thing is, as we kind of invite other people in our life and we feel overwhelmed by things, we have to realize that as we've talked about today, God is walking beside us in every situation. I remember when I was a senior in high school, all of a sudden I was getting ready to graduate and I remember like talking with other friends and we were sitting around talking. One friend was like, oh man, my insurance rates in my car have gotten really high. I don't know what I'm going to do. Another friend was kind of like complaining about his job. He's like, oh man, I got to work extra hours this week. It stinks. Another friend was like complaining about like uh, having to fill out some resumes and that sort of thing. And I remember being in high school and I was like, oh my gosh, what happened to us? We all turned into 40-year-olds. Like we're, we're like 18, but we're all acting like 40-year-olds. And all of a sudden I realized like, oh, I'm graduating high school and I've got to become a grown-up and I've got to like take care of my own life. I'm, like my life has kind of been prescribed and everything's been there, but now I have to be an adult and I have to like figure all this out for myself. And when I was 18 years old, it was incredibly overwhelming for me of like, I'm responsible for me, I have to do this. And I remember I was wanting like, I was thinking like, I should invite God into this, but I, I don't even know how to do this. I know for me, I grew up in uh, Colorado Springs and so there's this mountain there called Pikes Peak. And it, I, I, it was there every day, single day I would see it, but I wouldn't really notice it. And then someone would come into town and they would see Pikes Peak and they'd take a deep breath and they'd be like, that's amazing, that mountain is incredible, it's breathtaking. And I'd be like, oh yeah, I forgot that mountain was there. I think that's kind of how God is. I think if you've been a Christian for a long time, it's like God's there, he's good, he's doing good things in my life, but he's kind of off and distant. It's so easy for that to happen. And then you meet a new Christian, you're like, do you know that you can pray at any time, at any moment to the God, the creator of the heaven and earth? You just close your eyes or keep them open and you start saying words and God can hear you. Do you realize that's possible? And you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is possible. I forgot that. It becomes this mountain in the distant background versus this thing that's presently in front of us. And I think when we have that perspective of God is here and God is with us in every situation, we realize, oh, there's someone so much stronger than me who can take on any stress that I'm facing. And I remember this moment, this kind of time when I was in high school and I went and I went away to uh, Amarillo, Texas to my grandma's church and we went and I was just feeling overwhelmed at life and ready to graduate. And I remember we were sitting in a church and this is like, old-fashioned church, and I'm talking pews, I'm talking hymnals, there were no projectors, there were no screens. If you want to know the songs, you had to turn to page like 147 and sing the song. And I remember uh, the pastor there like leading us, and he's like, we're going to sing this song, and it's called It Is Well. And he said, open to page 147. It was a song I'd sung hundreds of times before, but I never like sat down and read the lyrics. And on that day, I read the lyrics, and it changed how I thought about God. It says this, It Is Well. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot that was taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And the man who wrote this, wrote this song, not when he's having a good day, he wrote this song after losing his daughter. 
and he lost her, and she passed away, and he was in a very dark, depressed time, and he just prayed, God, give me a song. And this was the song that came out to him. Even in such a heartbreaking, difficult situation, he had the strength and the fortitude to sing these words and write these words. And this song has encouraged the body of Christ for hundreds of years. And so what I want us to do today is I kind of want to do something a little bit different. So everyone, if you would go ahead and take a moment and stand up just right now, wherever you're at. I want you to imagine yourself in an old-fashioned church, maybe like the church that you grew up in or your grandparents went to or my grandparents went to, where it's just like simple voices singing a simple hymn that say, it is well with my soul. And we're going to sing this song together. And I want it to not just be words that you're singing going along. I want you to think about the words to this song as you're thinking about whatever you're facing in your life, whatever feels stressful, whatever feels overwhelming. I want this song to be more than just words that you sing. I want it for us to be a prayer that sings into our hearts of God, it is well with my soul. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll sing it together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every soul in here, Lord. And I pray for us who are feeling stressed out, who are feeling overwhelmed, who are feeling like we can't keep running at the pace that we're running. I pray that we'd learn to take a deep breath and turn our eyes and our hearts to focus on you, Lord. I pray that we'd have the perspective, not of the moment that we're facing, but the eternal perspective that you have, that we can know that you are with us every single step of the way. In your name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11. See you next time.